0: Well, that was a lot, and uh, I trust as you've heard it, the Lord is uh, working in your heart, and uh, you are uh, praying and supporting and helping. Um, we're just so thankful for the way God is directing us. Um, what you just heard has huge implications for the church, and, and yet Lord God is fa- our Lord God is faithful, and uh, he will lead his church, and he will lead it for um, his glory. And uh, so what we want to do over this next month, what we want to do in these next four weeks is a, a mini series, I'll call it, called Ready, Set, Go. It's kind of laying the framework for where do we go from here. Um, next week, uh, Lord willing, Pastor Matt will be preaching a, a message on courage and being courageous in times where things don't look so simple, things are in upheaval, and being courageous in all of those times. Um, and then on a Father's Day weekend, a message on how does the church support leadership? As the church, what do we do? As the church, what do we do? And then on the, the last weekend of June, a, a message about the elders, what do they do? And uh, how does this all work together as we seek to be the Church of Jesus Christ here at Hope Markham? Uh, this week we want to take a look at the topic of elders and who are they? Not, not who are they as people, not their names, but who the, are they in their individual uh, goals? And who are they in their character? Who are they in the way that God has made them? And so I want to get at that. If, if I was to say it this way, what is the recipe... What is the recipe for a godly elder? That is the title uh, for our message today. A couple of weeks ago, Sue and I were making chili. And uh, when you're making chili, you have to get all the stuff out. You got to make sure you got all of the pieces. And so we got out the uh, tomatoes. We got out the ground beef. Yes, lean ground beef. Uh, we got out the onions. We got out the kidney beans. We got out um, uh, the chili powder. Um, We got out the vinegar, the sugar, the pepper. Well, we got most of those things out. As we were getting them out, we realized we didn't have any kidney beans. Um, You can't make chili without kidney beans. Some of you are crazy about chili. You put like four or five different kinds of beans in. We're old people. We just put one kind of beans in. Uh, But we didn't have any. And uh, the only way we were making chili was for me to go to the store and buy some chili beans so that we could have our... Um, our chili. We had to have all of those pieces to have the right ingredients. Um, so after the store I went, we got the chili beans, brought it back, put it all together, slow cooked it, and then for the next couple of days enjoyed some chili. So what's the recipe for a godly elder? What does a godly elder look like? Put it this way, what goes into the chili, as it were, that would make up a godly elder? Um, we're going to look for some verses in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 as we look in God's Word today. And I really just want to launch out of one verse to start this message today. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for the way that you are working in your church. and. Father, we pray that you would guide and direct us, that we would serve and lead and come under in godly ways that would honor our Savior, Jesus Christ. So take this message, Lord. Um, work it in the men whose lives are being directly impacted this as elder candidates. Work it in our church as we consider how we pray and support and love on them, Lord. To just do your work through the power of your Spirit in all of these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the big idea for the message today is this. A church that truly honors Christ must have elders who lead by doing the same. A church that truly honors Christ must have elders who lead by doing the same. God, God puts a high standard on leadership in Scripture. Um, I came across this verse this week, Exodus eighteen twenty one. Moreover, they're looking for leaders. Look, moreover, look for able men from all the people. Men who fear God, who are trustworthy, who hate a bribe. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Um, in uh, First Chronicles twelve thirty two. talked about the men of Issachar. Men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Uh, the verse that we heard uh, last week read and, and Sam mentioned this morning, Second um, uh, Chronicles 20, 12. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against the great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but but that's the key word, but our eyes are on you. Think about these words, first Peter five, two to four. Talking to the elder, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. And then look at this. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. There, there is a reward. There is a blessing. That's not the point I wanted you to see today. I wanted you to see who elders are and what their position is. We serve as elders under the chief shepherd. Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd of the church and we are the under shepherds who serve. So over the past three months or so, we have been working diligently with Paul Stanton and Wayne Kong and uh, Dennis Azuma, early morning Saturday meetings, um, studying and praying and reviewing and um, going through a curriculum to help prepare them, help to see, and, and uh, then they would sit along with us the next part of the meeting when we would have an elders meeting and uh, just allow them to be a part of all of that. But the reality is, in all of that, we still serve as the under shepherds of the chief shepherd. In that training and in all of that involvement, we used uh, two um, key pieces, two two key resources, and you can look them up and pick them up if you want. The first one was uh, Dave Harvey's book, a brand new book that's out uh, called The Plurality Principle. The second book was a book by a a man named Robert Thune, and his book was Gospel Eldership. That's what that book is called. And I just want you to know that I'm going to borrow liberally, from that book today in my message. So I can say that so that anything else I say, nobody's saying, like oh, he took that from some guy's book. I'm telling you where I got a good chunk of the information we're going to talk about today because it's part of what we were teaching the elders, what we were trying to help them see and understand as they launch into this great opportunity. So what does a godly elder look like? What does a godly elder look like? Um, First thing we want to take a look at is his calling. Take a look at his calling. Back to that verse in 1 Timothy 3. The saying is true, is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Uh, Being an elder is something that you should aspire to. It's not something you're looking to be up on a pedestal. It's not something like, oh, I get to be in charge. That idea of aspiring is an internal compulsion that I have to do this. Uh, These men that we've talked to, this is a a difficult season in churches. It's a difficult season with the pandemic. And how do we obey the government and still honor the word of God? How do we, all those things, how do we reopen? And what does that look like? How do we do all of those things? It's not an easy time in any church. It's not an easy time in our church with the extra challenges that we have faced. But, but these men have an internal compulsion that we need to do this. I, I must do this. I will obey the Lord in doing this. There's an internal compulsion. Aspiring to this is to be provoked by the Holy Spirit to do this as you spend time in prayer as you talk with your spouse as you talk with others who are you're close to and and God's Holy Spirit is working in your life and you have this this sense that I have to do this from God um this calling is confirmed by others um as we were coming in as interim elders, we were uh, trying to consider how do we choose the elders? Earl and Ian aren't from this church. They don't know who most of the men even are. And so what did we do? Well, we asked the church. We asked the members of the church, who do you think we should consider for this? And, and these men's names came up over and over again. Um, the other part of this is God has prepared you for this in your history, in what you've been through, in life's circumstances, there is this, this sense of calling. You see, because when you become an elder, you put on a hat that you can't take off. I would prefer to call it a helmet and it's welded to your head. You are always an elder. Uh, When you you take that mantle on, when you take that responsibility on, that helmet gets welded to your head. It never comes off. I've had to talk with guys over, over the years in ministry and say, you can't say when talking to someone, I'm speaking to you. I'm not speaking to you, sorry. You can't say I'm not speaking to you as an elder right now. I'm just speaking to you as a friend. I'm not speaking to you as an elder. You can't say that. You can't. Because you are an elder. The hat never comes off. And so I would say to them, you can say to them, hey, I'm speaking to you as a friend right now, but the elder hat is there. And depending on what happens and depending on where things go will determine what you have to do and how you have to act. Um, the Bible says this is a noble task. What an amazing thing it is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ as an under-shepherd in the church of Jesus Christ. Well, this calling, what is this calling maybe? What does it look like? What are some of the things we might see in this calling? Well, first of all, there's that calling that begins in salvation. An elder in a local church is a follower of Jesus Christ. The person who's come to the place, the understanding that uh, they are a wretched person separated from God in their sin and, and need the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior and have put their trust in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. That obviously, like Captain Obvious, you've got to be a believer. You've got to be a follower of Jesus Christ because you've got to have the Spirit of God in you if you're going to be able to do this task. You're being sanctified. You're growing up. We're going to see some more of this as we're going on. You're a man of the Word. You're a man who's living by faith. You're a man who's trusting and and growing in prayer. You're a man who has a vision for what God is doing in His church but you're also a person of humility where Jesus Christ needs to be exalted. He's the one who needs to be put on the throne, not us. Um, we're men of experience. The Bible says you're not a novice. You're not a novice. That's not just about age. It's about experience as well. Uh, you've had experience in your spiritual walk. You've, you've been involved in leading. You've been involved in encouraging. You've been involved in helping. You've been involved in correcting. you you're not a novice. It's a great calling, but it's a weighty calling. This office, this role of being an elder. In Acts 20 verses 17 and 18, it says, now from Miletus, he sent sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia that's that's a picture of how this calling plays out and how I lived among you how I served you 1 Peter 5 1 and 2 says this, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly Uh, come and shepherd the church and lead as under shepherds, under the chief shepherds, as one who will give an account can say this for sure. This job is hard. I've lived it. I've seen it. Um, A couple of these men have served as elders before. They've lived it. They've, They've seen it. It's hard. It's hard work. It's not an easy thing. Um, you get to see the best of what goes on in the church. You get to sit in the front row, as it were, and, and hear the stories of salvation and see the baptisms. You get to see marriages that are saved that were a disaster. You, you get to see all of those things that go on in the church, but you also, you also have the responsibility of dealing with the hard and the difficult thing, that marriage that got saved because of something that happened that you've had to step in and, and be a part of. It's a, it's a hard, hard work. No one wants this job because they think it's all going to be sweet and fun and easy, and and we're just going to get on, and everybody's going to look at us, and isn't it wonderful? This is a spiritual warfare. This is a spiritual battle. It won't be easy, it'll be hard. There'll be days when it just seems dark and you wonder, why why do we do this anymore? Why do we keep going on? In this calling, you don't doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light and you remain faithful and you keep on keeping on and you serve the Lord well. In James chapter three, verse one, there's a warning, says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that he, that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. These men have a sense of calling in their lives, a sense of, of commitment, a sense of, no, I have to do this. The Lord's placed this before me. And so I'll move ahead with caution and care and humbly, but I'll move because God's spirit is working in me. Um, first, first piece of the recipe is a calling. The second piece of the recipe is, is character. His character. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 2 to 7, um, Paul gives a list of things. Therefore, an overseer, overseer, bishop, um, elder, pastor, the words are used interchangeably throughout uh, the New Testament. Therefore, an o- overseer must be what above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, key words, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. I'm not going to go through those things today. We've studied those things before uh, as we've sent out the information about the elders and asked you to look at these verses and see, see these men in the context of these verses. So let me tell you some things about elders in their character. The first thing is elders are not perfect men. I hope you hear that. Elders are not perfect men. They're forgiven men. Elders are not perfect men. They are men who speak the truth, even when it's difficult. Elders are not perfect men. They are confessing and repenting men, men who as, as God is revealing things in their own life, as they're being pruned and as they're growing up there, they're willing to confess, they're willing to repent, they're willing to get things right so they can go on serving the Lord. Elders are not perfect men, they are growing men, growing up in their faith, growing up in their walk with God. Elders are not perfect men. They are worshiping men. Men who more and more are learning how to get their focus onto Jesus Christ in their life. Men who worship God. Elders are not perfect men. They are loving men. They love their Savior. They love his church. They love the people. And when it's difficult, they hang in there because their character is what leads them through this. Um, in that book I mentioned, Gospel Eldership, it gives uh, four realities about character. As we talk about character, now here's the four things it said they are going to come up on the screen. Four biblical realities about character. Here's the first one. It's formed over time. Um, it's formed over time. Um, you don't just, you don't learn to walk in one day. Uh, little kids need time. They, they stumble, they fall, they get up, and they go again. You, you don't learn to water ski in one day. You don't learn to, it takes time. And, and character is formed over time. But here's the next thing. It's discerned in community. Uh, people are watching you. It's discerned in community. I wrote down a few things in my notes, things that have helped me over the years. And the first one is, do what you say you will do. Um, uh, there's character. A person of character is a person who does what they say they will do. A person of character is a person who says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, Here's the last one I wrote down. Uh, They never have to remember what they said. You see, you don't have to remember what you say when you always tell the truth. And so this character is discerned in community. Here's a hard one. Character is best evaluated under pressure when it's hard when it's difficult, uh, that's when character really shows. Um, and the last one, character and wisdom, usually they go hand in hand. They go together. I love what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. Um, he said this, um, if you are, let me go back, First Timothy 4.12. Let no one despair you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. He's telling this young follower of his, Timothy, to, to be a man of character. And here's some of the things that you can have to have those things. I read this quote. It's going to be up on the screen. Uh, this is something you can pray uh, for, for the men, for our church. Um, it goes like this. If, if you're a pastor or an elder, you can be sure of two things. Number one, you will sin, and number two, you will be sinned against. It's important. As a pastor, as an elder, you will sin. You're not a perfect man. You're not, you're not a perfect person um, when we sin, we need to confess. We need to be repentant. Those are the things we already talked about. Those need to be, these, those need to be the pieces of our lives, the qualities of things going on in our lives. But, but you're also going to be sinned against. You're going to be dealing with hurting people, people who are struggling, people who are maybe angry, and and they will sin against you. And uh, you're going to have to learn how to forgive and set things aside and, and walk away and let God be the one who brings a judgment. Let him be the one who... Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, the Bible says. Let God be the one who deals with those things. Because in our character, when we do the things that God calls us to, it won't be easy. It'll be difficult, and there will be hard times. They are men who have a calling. Elders are men of character. Uh, Here's the next thing. They're men of competence. They are competence. An elder with character is one whose life and heart have been submitted uh, to God and his word. An elder of competence, that's the skill to apply the truth of God's word to a particular situation. Um, In 1 Timothy 3 and verses 4 and 5, it says, He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the church of God? And so the the first piece about competence right out of that text is this, is the way he leads at home. Uh, This quote coming up on the screen, if a man can't pastor the little flock God has given him, his family, how will he pastor the bigger one, the church? It's right in the text. If you can't can't, uh, pastor your little flock that God has given you, how will he pastor the bigger one, the church. That doesn't mean your kids will turn out perfectly. It doesn't mean you won't go through hardship. This is how you will do those things. What will you do with those things? Just like in a church, a church is filled with people and the elders are seeking under the chief shepherd to be the shepherds of the church. It it doesn't mean there aren't struggles. It doesn't mean people don't go sideways. It doesn't mean there aren't difficult days, but how will you? And, and, And the base thing here right under this area of competence is if you can't lead your family, you can't lead the church. Competence, competence in leading your your family. And then here's the other one. Competence in applying the Bible. 1 Timothy 3 verse 2 says, able to teach. Able to teach. Uh, Not necessarily means standing up here teaching. Uh, It can be teaching in your small group. It can be in the way you lead your family. It can be the way that you help others. Do you, do you lead from your own opinion all the time? Great things for us to think about. Like when somebody asks you something that's significant, do you always lead with your opinion? What, what you think, or do you go back to the word of God? Do you know the word of God in such a way that you can teach? You can teach others through the word. Elders who are competent, they know their way around the scriptures. They're able to refute false teaching. They're able to exhort in sound doctrine. They're able to teach, to take people deeper in their discipline, their discipleship as they're growing up in Jesus Christ. Elders are men with a calling. They're men with character. They're men who are competent. And here's the last one. They're they're men who are compatible, they have compatibility in chemistry. So to review an elder with character is one whose life and heart have been submitted to God and his word. Competence is the skill to apply the truth of God to particular situations. Compatibility in chemistry is the ability to minister within a, a local context. The people, the church, the mission, in a city. So you don't aspire to the office of an elder in the abstract. It happens in a particular local church situation. And so these, these men who are God is bringing together, there has to be a compatibility, there has to be a, a chemistry. Yes, of course, in a common theology and what we believe and in what the doctrinal statement of our church says, there needs to be a, a common theology, there needs to be a common purpose to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. Like those things are obvious, those things have to be there. Um, but there also has to be a common mission where are we headed? What is the vision? Where are we going? And and God bringing men together who have that commonality to drive for those things. Why? Well, because elders serve in plurality. Elders serve in plurality. We, we do it together. Key word is together. They make up a team, all of the elders. There is no CEO. There is no king. There is no power guy. Elders serve together in plurality. The head of the church is not any person on an elder's board. The head of the church is Jesus Christ. And we serve in plurality under the chief shepherd as, as, as shepherds to shepherd the flock of God, trusting him to lead us how we can do that together. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. In Acts 14, 23, it says, and when they had appointed elders from, for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Some elders serve as volunteers. Um, some elders serve as paid staff. Um, and you can see those arguments in Scripture for both of those. That's, that's what makes up, makes, makes up a team of elders. And, and in, this, in this sense of plurality, we, we talk about this idea of first among equals, right? And... Uh, First among equals is wrong when first among equals means we do it my way. Um, that's not what first among equals means. Uh, first among it does not mean that that person is better. First among equals doesn't mean that that person is more valuable. First among equals does not mean that that person sets the agenda. We're going to do it my way. Now you guys just tuck it in and let's get going. First among equals um, is deferred to because of experience or time committed or whatever. Um, So the senior pastor comes into an elder's room, and they say, you're you're the first among equals. Well, because you're more important? No. Because you have all the right answers? No. But, But you've got the most time invested in it. You've got the, but you still are first among equals. And the word equals is so important. And that's why consensus is so critical, because it's not one guy driving the ship, one guy saying how this is all going to work out. We're doing this together. We're doing this together. The recipe for godly elders. Men of calling. Men of character. Men who are competent. And men who are compatible and with a chemistry to take the church and move it forward in the common desires, the common vision that this church has under God to uh, serve our community, to reach out around the world, to plant churches, to honor Jesus Christ. Well, so what? You've heard this message today and you're like, well, that was, that was good. I, I, I get it. I hear those things like, what, what do I do with this? Um, here's the first thing you pray. You pray. The men who are on that list to be the elders of our church moving forward and I'll serve with them for a period of time are not perfect men. If you knew me, you'd, I'm not a perfect man. They're not perfect men. They, they need your prayers. First um, Thessalonians 5.12 says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord who admonish you. Pray for them pray for them. But here's something general for all of us. Um, For men specifically, you need to be thinking about 1 Timothy chapter 3 and and those qualifications or those character traits in your own life. Um, Is this something that I would aspire to? Is this something God is doing in my life? Is this Because that list of things is a list of things for discipleship for all believers. And so don't just look at that and go, yeah, well, that's for them. It's not for me. No, no. That's just a great pattern for discipleship for everyone in the church not perfect. You need to pray for them. You need to seek after these things to be growing up in Jesus Christ in your own heart. And then please, please remember, this is hard, hard work. You're dealing with people just like you. Think about that. Think about the dark corners of your life. Think about the difficulties you're going through. Think about the people you know and what they're going through in their small group. Think about all those things. And these men under the chief shepherd are seeking to shepherd the church of God. It's hard work. So pray for them in their calling. Pray for them in their character. Pray for them in their competence. Pray for them in that compatibility and chemistry. Pray pray that when it gets difficult, they won't give up. Don't doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. Why? Because the church is a battlefield. It's a spiritual warfare that's going on. Satan is seeking to tear down and destroy. And God desires to build it up for the sake of his son, Jesus Christ. Back to the big idea. Church that truly honors Christ must have elders who lead by doing the same. Well, why is this so important? I mentioned at the beginning, in a couple of weeks, Lord willing, on the 27th of June, we're going to take a look at, at what do elders do. This is what, who elders are. And then we want to take a look at what do elders do. We want to see how they feed the flock, how they lead the flock, how they protect the flock, how they care for the flock. It's a high and holy calling that can only be accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit, leading the church of the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for uh, the example in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that Paul lays out for elders in the church. Thank you, Lord, for um, the way that you are working in our church. So many blessings and yet in a battlefield, in a spiritual warfare, in a place, Lord, we need you, we need you, we need you. If we don't need you, we'll just do this on our own, have a little country club. Lord, if anything's going to be accomplished for eternity, it won't be what we do. It's what you will do through us. So God, please work in these men calling you placed on their lives. Guide us as a church as we move forward. Lead us, God, for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord. We pray in his name. Amen.